Thanks for listening to the Mercy Church Podcast. If you're in the area, we want to invite you to join us the last weekend in March as we celebrate Good Friday and Easter Sunday. Good Friday services will be at 6 p.m. on Friday evening. And then on Sunday morning, we invite you to join us for a time of worship, a message, and baptisms. Bring your friends, your family, and if you feel so led, invite your coworker, cashier, or barista to join you. Services will be held at regular service times at all campuses. To learn more, visit mercycharlotte.com slash events. Again, that's mercycharlotte.com slash events. Hey, again, happy Easter, Mercy Church. And I want to tell you, uh, as we're beginning our sermon here, our band is sitting appropriately distanced um, back behind the camera, and they're going to be responding to the sermon. And I would encourage you, amen, from the kitchen, from the living room, wherever you are, you can use that chat feature. But uh, the sermon's always meant to be engaged. It's not just something you you sit and watch. I was... um, the other day, I was uh, watching this video somebody sent to me by John Krasinski, the guy from the TV show The Office. You might remember him, uh, Jim from The Office. Anyways, he's doing this YouTube thing called Some Good News, and the idea behind it is just to share like good news that's going on in the world right now, kind of a lighthearted way to lift people's spirits, and it, it was really, really fun and enjoyable, and I thought, man, Easter is it's nothing but good news, right? So why not start off our morning uh, here before we get into the good news of the gospel with some good news just going on in our community. Uh, you may not know, but here in Charlotte, it was announced just a few days ago, um, Atrium Health, Novon Health, a couple of our main hospital systems here, they had, they had planned on needing about 3,000 additional beds in order to care for COVID-19 patients. But just the other day, they revised their estimates down to 600 additional beds needed. And the county health director, Gibby Harris, she said, listen, it seems like, it seems like, it's exciting, that this social distancing we've been doing for a few weeks is actually starting to work a little bit. So good job, everybody. We got to keep it up, but it's starting to work. And I know I know toilet paper is getting really scarce and everything else, but it's working, all right? Um, a little bit closer to home, Mercy News, y'all, y'all did such a great job with the food drive that we did a couple of weeks ago, and we were able to bless so many families, dozens and dozens of families, and we're able to continue to bless them as well. Uh, we've gotten news also about uh, just members of our church walking around their neighborhoods, handing out toilet paper of all things. I mean, Whoever knew that that would be considered a good deed to go toilet paper someone's house, but this is what's happening. It's been really cool as well. Um, hey, I, other good news, got to give a shout out to some of our members who got married during the coronavirus, um, Derek and Rachel Bills, Cassidy and Alex Bonar, Mitch and Riley Froming, and just last night, Saturday night, Daniel and Lindsay Kreitz got married. COVID-19 has not stopped love, right? So we're excited for y'all for sure. Um, And lastly, I do want to say a huge thank you to the 50-plus Mercy members who we know of that serve in the medical community. And maybe you're another one, and and we just don't know about you serving. But, man, we want to say thank you for serving our community day in and day out. I think we're going to be like, yeah, I think we're going to be... I'm reminded of Winston Churchill after World War II. He talked about the Royal Air Force, and he said, never have so many owed so much to so few. And that's what I think about when I think of you guys. We're very grateful for you. Uh, Listen, there is good news in this dark time. Now, let's talk about Easter. Because all the news I just shared with you, it, it has expiration dates to it, right? I mean, the joy of weddings gives way to the hard work of marriage. Food donations only last for a time. And even though we can push back 
sickness, and it's good and right for us to do, to do so, we all know that every single one of us has a last day coming someday. And, and I hope that that news, that some of the news we share with you, that it lifts your spirits, but also know that it will only lift your spirits for a little while, right? Maybe for a few minutes. I mean, that's that's what happens. That's why there is, unless you're one of the ones that was mentioned, news just kind of wears off. That's why there's nightly news programs, right? Uh, that's why there's a news cycle, because news that doesn't directly impact us usually doesn't affect us for very long. But Easter, Easter is the announcement of news with no expiration date. And Easter is the announcement of news that has a profoundly personal impact. Y'all, for me, it was when I was 12 years old. That's when Easter became personal to me. Um, I knew the story, right? I grew up in church, and Easter was always fun. Uh, we had egg hunts and all that sort of stuff. It was always fun, but it wasn't transformative news. It was tradition, right? Now, but when I was 12, all of that changed for me. And, and I think this is why most people uh, miss Easter, in my opinion. They don't give it the right weight in their lives. They treat it as a tradition instead of transformative news. And that's what I want to talk about today. On an Easter where, you know, all of the headlines are reading, you know, we're missing Easter because our facilities are closed. Listen, I want to do everything in my power today to make sure you don't miss Easter and what it really is. I think about um, when my two sons were a little bit younger, uh, two, three, four years old, I was teaching them at the same time how to throw a ball and how to empty the dishwasher, all right? The reason I was doing that is because I wanted them to have good character and also be an athlete, because they was going to be like, watch out, world, if I can get both of those things. Well, you know, uh, I maybe didn't think it all through really well. And so one day, one of my sons, we were emptying the dishwasher. I had told them not to mess with the knives, calm down, right? But one of them grabbed uh, one of the butter knives, right, and looks at me, and there was not a mischievous look in his eye at all, okay? This is purely thinking he's doing what daddy is going to celebrate. And he picks up that knife and just hurls it at me as best as he can, all right? Now, thankfully, his arm wasn't too strong at that time. I'm standing here before you, okay, right? But what happened there was that he treated a knife like it was a ball. He didn't treat it and give it the respect that he needed to give it. Instead, he treated it like it was something else. I think that's what happens for a lot of people with Easter. They treat Easter like a baseball when it's really a knife. They treat Easter like it's tradition when it is really transformative news. Y'all, the news of the resurrection, it is more crucial to your life than your career, than your relationships, and then your physical health. Because all of those things and everything else will fade at some point. God himself is the only thing that remains eternal. And to be clear, I'm going to ask you over the course of this message the same thing that I was asked when I was 12 years old. And maybe you have heard the news before, but have you ever given it the weight that it deserves? Have you ever received the offer of forgiveness that Christ offers you in the gospel? Have you been changed by that news? Or have you missed it because you've been treating it like a ball, you've just been treating it like it's tradition. And if you're a Christian, I want you to consider, have you forgotten your first love? If maybe Easter has slid for you from a relationship with God into just tradition, listen, whether you're a committed Christian, maybe you, you would say, yeah, I used to be around the church, but now I'm just kind of coming back after some time away, or maybe this whole thing is new for you. God has great hope for you today. 
So what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you how the first church responded to the resurrection. The church who, by the way, the early church, didn't have Easter as a calendar day once a year because they celebrated the resurrection every single Sunday. Right? They didn't need a, a one day set aside. In fact, their whole worship was put on Sunday because that's when Jesus got out of the grave. That's when they worshiped. They gave this news the right weight in their lives. And because they did, it changed everything, changed everything. It was the foundation of their worship. It had redeemed their past. It had given them peace and joy in the present, and it secured their future. So they worshiped every week. I want to show you how they responded, and I want to offer you the chance to respond to the resurrection. We're going to be in Luke chapter 34. It's the last chapter in Luke, the gospel of Luke. It's how Luke finishes um, his narrative account of what happened in Jesus's life. Verse 36 is where I'm going to start. We're going to go to about verse 53, and I'm just going to show you what happens and then how we respond. As they were saying these things, he, Jesus himself, stood in their midst. He said to them, peace to you. But they were startled and terrified, thought they were seeing a ghost. Let me set the scene here. Jesus was crucified on Good Friday. That's a couple of days ago. He's put into a tomb. He's surrounded by guards. Well, Sunday morning comes, and some things start happening. A, couple of the, a few of the women that were in Jesus' group of followers, they had showed up, gone to visit the tomb. They show up, and it's empty. And, so, and there are angels standing there saying, why are you looking for the living among the dead? And so they run home and tell the disciples. Well, then a couple of, the, of his other followers are walking along a road. Jesus appears to them but he disguises himself. So this guy appears, they don't know that it's Jesus. He starts teaching them from the scriptures about the resurrection from the dead. They say that their hearts are burning within them. And then later he actually joins them for dinner and he reveals himself. They're like, oh my goodness, this, this is really Jesus. And, and then Jesus disappears. They go and run and tell the disciples. And then, so they're all together in this crowd, in this room. Uh, these two here that Jesus had also appeared to Simon Peter. There's this crowded room, a lot of confused excitement going on kind of all at the same time because nobody really knows what's happening, but something seems to be happening. And in the middle of all that, everybody talking back and forth, talking over each other about what's happening, he just appears and he says, peace to you. So yeah, they're frightened. Humans don't just appear, right? And they had just seen him horribly executed a couple of days ago. So it's not too unreasonable to think, this is a ghost? And he says, verse 38, why are you troubled? Why do doubts arise in your hearts? Jesus sees, I hope you see this, because it's still true today. He sees into their hearts, to what's really going on with them. He knows, he knows they didn't think he was really going to get out of the grave. He knows skepticism is dominating them. And now here he is. But where he could have berated them, and talk down to them, look at what he does. He welcomes them close. That's the kindness of our God. Some of you have been doubting from a distance, and today God is not berating you. Instead, he's welcoming you. He is inviting you to come close and see him for who he really is. It's verse 39. Look at my hands and my feet. That it is I, myself, touch me, and see, oh, I hope you will lean in and receive Christ, come close to him. Because a ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you can see I have. Having said this, he showed them his hands and feet. But while they were still amazed and in disbelief because of their joy, he asked them, you got anything to eat? So they gave him a piece of broiled fish. They're fishermen, right? No surprise there. And he took it and he ate in their presence. I want you to see that line, 
They were amazed in disbelief because of their joy. All right? That, that's like the moment where your favorite football team is down by five with only three seconds to go in the game. There's one play left. They got 70 yards to go. And then by some series of impossible flukes, they actually score the winning touchdown as time expires. And you're cheering with joy like, did you see that? Can you believe? I can't believe that just happened. It's news so unlikely and so good that your heart is like this blender or pinball machine of shock and joy just kind of bouncing around at the same time. And so now he's got their attention, right? He's got their attention more than anybody has ever had anyone's attention in the history of getting people's attention, all right? And what does he do with that? He explains what this resurrection means for them. And he explains what it means for you and I. Verse 44, he told them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Y'all, can I just, I want you to see something for a second, especially you Christians. Do you see that the resurrected Jesus embodied in the flesh with them, thought the best thing to do, the first thing to do with the gathering of the disciples was to get out the Bible and study it. The law, the prophets, and the Psalms. That represents the whole Old Testament, the scriptures at the time, and he opens their minds to understand that it's really all about him. I want to be candid with you for a second to ask you a question to, to Christians. Do you value God's word like Jesus does? It was important for him that their faith was first and foremost established in their understanding of the Bible, not just in their experience of seeing him. Y'all, he could have left right after eating the fish, right? Like, thank you, that was nice. Don't forget, love your neighbor, okay, and I'm gone. That's what he could have done, but he doesn't do that. Instead, his first order of business is showing this group how the whole Old Testament is about him, Y'all, the Bible tells one story. It's all about Jesus. And what is supposed to ground our faith is the testimony about Jesus in the scriptures themselves. Verse 46, he also said to them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for forgiveness of sins will be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you're witnesses of these things. The Messiah will suffer. He's just shared the gospel with them, the gospel news, which means the gospel means news, the news that they'll end up sharing all around the world. The Messiah will suffer, verse 46. This is referring to the cross. His suffering was for you and I. The Messiah, that's the word for savior. And the way he saves is that he comes to people who are not right with God, to the religious traditionalist and to the complete secular person, to both, he says, you cannot save yourself. You cannot secure enough approval through really good morality on your own. You cannot find security and joy and peace in your wealth or in anything else in this world. Everything in this world is temporary. The only thing that will grant you real peace, the only thing that will grant you lasting, sustaining joy is to be made right with God. And y'all, if nothing else, we have felt that in this time, that everything in this world can be shaken. The things that we thought were certain are nowhere near as certain as we thought. The only thing that will grant you peace is to be made right with God. 
But you and I, every single one of us, Scripture says, have rejected this God. That rejection creates a debt. Paul, the Apostle Paul, is going to call it in Romans a wage. Your sin actually earns you a wage, and that wage is death. Listen, this is the first thing you got to understand about the gospel message. The gospel message announces you do need to be saved from your sins. You do. And so the Messiah suffers by paying your debt. His death is a debt payment. Easter is the announcement that salvation from your sin, it's not something you find. It isn't something you build for yourself. It's something offered by God for you to receive. Jesus goes up on the cross in your place and in my place. The gospel we say in four words is Jesus in my place. The gospel says Jesus died to pay for my sins. Listen, you got to receive it. The gospel is news, an announcement of an offer of forgiveness. But like any offer, the offer must be received. And the way you receive it, Scripture tells us, is to repent which just means to turn away from your sins. When you turn away from your sin, you say, I believe Christ died for those sins. He's paid the payment for those sins. I'm turning away from them and I'm turning towards Christ. I believe what he did for me. And when you do that, what waits for you, it's not judgment. What waits for you is forgiveness. Judgment is put on Christ. And restoration, reconciliation to God peace. That's what he offers you. It's the arms of God the Father welcoming you in. And the resurrection, well, that's where the whole gospel hangs. Because in the resurrection, the transforming power of God comes to us in full force. It's where heaven comes to us in full force. Listen, the gospel announces Jesus rose from the dead. The apostle Paul said, listen, if he didn't rise, this whole thing is a waste and we should be pitied as fools. But if he did rise, if he really did, it changes everything. Because that means death no longer has the final say over us. He defeated death, and if I identify that that's my sin nailed up on that cross, well then there is new life here for me now. Right here and now. And eternity is secure. As Romans 6, Paul says... If we died with Christ, I want you to to hear this simple, profound truth. If we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Because we know that Christ, having been raised from the dead, will not die again. He's still alive today. Death no longer rules over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all time. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So listen, verse 11, this is what we're to take from Easter. You too consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. This is what God confronted me with at age 12. I wasn't even an adult yet, but God in his grace has not made the gospel something that you need to be an adult with a license and and coursework to understand. He's made the gospel so simple. And I knew, I knew something very clearly. I knew the stories of Jesus, but I was confronted with the reality that this message was more than a tradition. It was news, and it was news for me. It was personal. 
I saw this sin the Bible talks about. I saw it in me. I saw my desire for the approval of others, especially. I saw my willingness to lie and cheat, to hide my wrongs so that people would like me. They would accept me. And even at 12, God made it clear to me I was not right with him. I was finding my approval and security and other things, and I was making them my God and not him. Because I had treated the offer of forgiveness as just an assumption, as a tradition. But God showed me, it was on a Thursday night at a summer camp, that the gospel was news for me. That I had sinned and I needed the forgiveness that he offered. I needed the power to live that he offers me in the resurrection. 2 Corinthians 5 says, I am a new creation. It's not just that you get a second chance at life. It's something way bigger than that. I am a new creation in Christ and I wanted that. A new life filled with God's power and filled with God's purpose. Y'all, that's the great announcement of the gospel is that the resurrection brings with it, it gives me new life. Resurrection power flows in me, giving me victory over sin that once dominated me. And I want that for you. I want that for you today. God who resurrected Jesus is still resurrecting people here and now, giving them peace in the face of uncertainty, giving them purpose where they lack it, giving them new life. And he can resurrect you today. That peace that he offers, it cannot be shaken, come what may. He can give that to you today. God showed me what was at stake. The news was much weightier than I had treated it. I had treated it like it was just a little ball when it was a knife. Y'all, eternity is at stake. This life is temporary and fragile, and any day could be our last We are certainly all feeling that right now. And I heard Jesus saying then, in him, death is not the end. No, through him and through him only, we can have that eternal life, that relationship with God now and for eternity that we're created for. But apart from him is death. There is no middle ground. You see, the announcement of the gospel is that the resurrection gives me new life here and it gives me eternity with God in heaven, what I'm truly created for. I want you to hear what brings me profound peace, something that characterizes the New Testament, which, by the way, the New Testament was written into a world where death was just much more familiar. The fragile nature of life was much more familiar. Actually, the New Testament might be coming alive to you now more than it ever has before because our world might feel a little bit more as we feel our mortality. Man, the New Testament It's almost like it's coming in full color at us. And I want you to hear the eternal hope of the gospel. It's that my story doesn't end in death. My story ends in glory. Glory. In a reunion with God the Father forevermore. Heaven is real. And those in Christ will finally be united with him And death will be no more. Revelation tells us pain and crying and grief, which are all over us right now, will one day be no more. And we have deep, like a a pillar of peace in our souls. That's what Christians walk around with. It's not some sense of we're better than anyone else. We're all dealing with the same thing right now. The only difference is, We believe that because Christ got out of the grave, 
Our story doesn't end in death. It ends in glory. And death has lost its sting. Death does not have the final say. Death does not have dominion over us. And so we walk with humble peace, praying and hoping that you'll receive the same hope that we found. Y'all, so that night I walked forward in a room of about a thousand people and that was pretty scary to me because I had to admit that I needed something, but I just could not take, I just couldn't care about my pride anymore. Too much was at stake. I couldn't hide my need. I needed that forgiveness. I needed the salvation Jesus offered and I knew I would spend eternity apart from him unless I surrendered to him. And I don't know what to say other than as I walked down there, it was like God himself was there with open arms. And I prayed the simplest prayer. That's a prayer you can pray today. The response to the gospel, God, I believe. I believe. I believe you died for my sin. I believe you rose again. I surrender my life and I'm yours. Y'all know without a doubt, God saved me that night right then and there at Fort Caswell with Clayton King being the one leading that prayer. I will never forget it. I remember feeling that freedom. I remember feeling almost like a physical burden lifted off of my chest and shoulders. God had given me new life, not a second chance, new life where he's with me and eternity where I'm with him. Let me show you verse 49. Jesus says, look, I'm sending you what my father promised. As for you, stay in the city until you're empowered from on high. The promise that he's sending is the Holy Spirit. That he would come and live in them. This is the spirit that sustains me with a loving power that is just really hard to put words to. And it's not, by the way, like I've been perfect in the 25 years since. Far, far from it. Right, But you know something, I got this resurrection power alive in me in the form of the Holy Spirit. The spirit of power, love, and sound judgment guiding me and I celebrate God giving me that as often as I can. Now, I want you to see how the scene ends, verse 50. He led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was carried up into heaven. And what did they do? They worshiped him, verse 52. After worshiping him, they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they were continually, this is how the gospel of Luke ends. They were continually in the temple praising God. What started in fear and confusion ends in great joy and praise. This is the transformative power of the gospel news. Fear and doubt are transformed into joy and praise. Shame and guilt are transformed into joy and praise. Sorrow is comforted with peace through joy and praise. Pride and greed are broken down by joy and praise. In fact, right now, in in your living room, wherever you are, if you've experienced this joy, if you've been transformed by the gospel, you need to do what Luke says in verse 48. You are witnesses to these things. Maybe you need to testify by saying, amen, amen. That was me. I was lost. I was dead in my sin, but God came to me. And on Easter Sunday, y'all, right now, I may be prevented from being with my church body, but my God didn't stay dead. My God defeated death, and that resurrection power is alive in me. God did not give me a spirit of fear, 2 Timothy 1, 7 says, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. And I'm resting today not in my power, but in his. Here's how I want to close. The gospel is good news. 
and news must be received. And today you can receive this news. You can say, God, I believe. You can finally treat it, not as a ball, but as a knife, to use our metaphor. You can finally give it the weight it deserves in your life. You can say, God, I receive your forgiveness, and I commit my life to Jesus. Is there anything that could be more important than this? Don't you think being prepared for eternity which we know now more than ever can come at any day. Don't you think being ready for that is what's most important? There's a couple of of responses I feel like here, a couple of invitations. And the first one is this salvation. Give your life to him. You might say, I don't know, man. I don't know that I know enough about God. Yes, you do. This is an invitation to receive. You'll learn about him more as you go. You say, yeah, but I'm not really the religious type. Yes, you are. (laughs) We all are. We're created to worship God. Now, you may not be the religious type, like, you know, the goofy church lady from the old SNL skits, right? None of us should be. But yes, you were created to worship. And you can receive the object of your worship today. You say, I have a messed up past. Don't you see? The gospel is good news for people with messed up pasts. You don't clean yourself up and then come to God. You come to God. You accept the invitation and he transforms your life. That's the power of God working in you. Will you believe? I want you to, if you are ready, I want you to say, God, I believe. If you're on our platform, there's actually a little button you can click there that's going to introduce you to just say, yes, I'm raising my hand that that I want to believe this. And there's a button you can click there that'll connect you with one of our pastors and prayer team members just to help talk with you about what this means and to pray over you and celebrate with you. And I want you to do that. And listen, when we all get back together, there's another step you're going to take, and that's baptism. No, we're not baptizing today, but soon enough, we're going to get out of all this and we're going to be back together. And that celebration is going to be awesome. And if you've been putting that off, you need to let us know. All right, you can do that in that chat feature as well, or you can just email me, pastorspence at mercycharlotte.com, and we'll help walk you through what you need, all right? But don't miss Easter. This Easter, give your life to him. And in doing so, you'll find true life. You will find true life. God loves you, God wants you, and God has made a way for you. Y'all, what I didn't tell you about my story that night, the only thing I regret about that night is that I waited all night. I, 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 fight, I fought God and I waited. I waited till the preacher was getting off stage. I waited till they started singing, thought I'd miss my chance in that. And they made one more call and I just shot out of my seat. God was gracious to me there, of course, but don't wait. Don't miss Easter. Receive the offer of forgiveness and new life God offers you. And hear your Father in heaven with open arms say, Welcome home, daughter. Welcome home, son. I'm so glad that you're here. I want to lead you in a brief response where you can pray. All right, the prayer is very simple. One of just a couple of things here. I want you to just pray, God, I believe. If you've never prayed that before, you can say, God, I believe. And you can receive his gift of salvation today. Thank you, God, for saving me. Christian, I want you to celebrate again the great hope of the gospel. I want you to recover your first love. Just two simple things. God, I believe 
You can even say, help me in my unbelief. His own disciples said that. God, I believe. I receive forgiveness today. The second thing, Christian, I want you to celebrate. Thank you, God, for saving me. These prayer points are going to appear there on the screen. But you go ahead and pray, and then our worship team is going to lead us in a celebration of the resurrection as we come out of this prayer time. You take the next couple of minutes and you pray.
God, we say thank you. God, we believe. And we say thank you. Together, the church, we celebrate that the resurrection is still true. You still are out of the grave and alive, and we worship you. We say thank you for the spirit within us. Thank you for the new life you give us now, and thank you for the hope of eternity with you. We receive it in full today, and we worship you. We worship you in Christ's holy name. Amen and amen.